0: to be afraid, because you're listening to America's most motherly podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ven Sheets, and hold up a second.
1: Are you guys telling me you guys stole my parents and you won't drink this paint with
2: me? I'll drink the
0: paint I'll drink the paint. Okay, good. With you? Yeah, dude. Good. Let's go. Slurp, slurp. Oh, that's going to be audio
2: poison. Let's <laughs> end starting off the podcast with it too. How about it? Hi, uh, my name is Cleveland
0: Demosier, but today I'm the birthday boy, stab man. Well, it's all of our birthdays on this blessed day, mm-hmm. and we're getting stabbed, and we're getting stabbed. Man, the, summer we're, the summer of Bo. The summer of Bo begins. Here. It's upon us. It's upon us. We're uh, we're here to discuss the most divisive film of the year so far. In gonna... a year
1: of divisive movies, honestly, oh, yes. but you know
2: what? I think by the end of this episode, we're going to put a cap on it. You might even say we're going to tie up a little bow and put it on this conversation. <laughs> it's going to be good. Oh
0: no! We're we're talking about the new Ari Aster film. <laughs> bow is afraid. Um, we're a little late getting around to this one, um, but uh, Bow is delayed. Bow is delayed. Yes, but much um, yeah. like the
1: release of this movie. Yes. Is... Yes. Very um, understandably
0: so. Well, though the film is divisive among audiences, I don't think it's divisive among us. Yeah, we have a pretty good I consensus
2: think, on this one. Consensus on this one.
0: I think we all liked this movie a lot. Kino, Kino, cinema, the summer of Bow. I, I am, uh, I am officially a Bowhead. This is, this is a, this is now a licensed Bow is appreciation podcast. <laughs> Bo', bo is appreciation bo? god damn it I'm we're going with it have I have a, I have a
2: boner for bo ne for bow bow is
0: a bow is appreciation um and we and we appreciate bow yes. honestly this is probably one of the funniest movies
1: of the year easy um, hands down yeah just so funny and I'm glad we saw it in the theater where other people were laughing as well. Yeah. And
0: we weren't just the three sickos laughing. There yeah, only at this a movie. couple of other
2: people in the theater, too. We had, our, a bit, you know, small our crowd audience, a audience,
0: crowd. Our audience seemed to generally appreciate this movie. Um, I did catch a number of exasperated sighs from the dude who was sitting right next to me, but he also laughed a lot. So, I, well, I mean, that's I don't, a laugh. This movie is tense, <laughs> It's it's tense and it's long. Um, I, I will say I didn't really understand why people have been coming out of this, like, pissed off at it until we got to, like, the last hour. I still enjoyed it. I liked the whole thing, but I can really see how it would lose a lot of people in the last hour, especially considering its length is one minute shy of three hours long. Um, cut down from an original length of four, four hours. It's crazy.
2: Um, like, you know, it's, it's been said before, but brevity, soul of wit. I think especially for comedies, tight 90s is, is, is good. Now that said, I do love a long film. I see you shaking your head, Ben. And I tend to agree in general. I think we've said this before on the podcast, but like you can make your movie five hours for all I care. Just put a fucking intermission in there. Let me go pee. Yeah. Let me go get some more popcorn. Let's go to the lobby and get ourselves a treat, you know? I really wish this movie had an intermission. And fuck it. Throw that extra hour in there, you know, at that point. Like, who cares? Yeah, like, that's not the movie's see, fault. That's hmm. just
0: the theater-going experience. But yeah, with,
2: with the, the, the comedic element of the film, like, by the third act, I was pretty tired. Yes. You know? Like, it's an exhausting movie, like, emotionally, mentally. It's, There's I so would, much tension. I mean, Ari Aster's, like, the fucking master of tension. It's an
0: so odyssey guess. in just about every... Uh, aspect of uh, every definition of that word yeah
1: well and I think in terms of film length you know I think a good director can make you forget time passing Mm -hmm. you know uh, a three-hour Scorsese movie doesn't feel like three hours RRR doesn't feel like three hours and I think this movie for me I didn't feel its length. I was enthralled. The whole I was. Time, I was never. B-
0: I was never bored with it. I felt its length, but I think that that's more just because of how densely packed it is, how much there is going on, how many details you're just constantly being bombarded with, and because of the journey of the protagonist. Like it is exhausting. But I wasn't like exhausted in a like, God please let this be over way. It was <laughs> like, you know, is it, was, it I, I came out of it feeling the kind of tired you get after like a good workout. Right. Yeah, it's words. like I'm tired but like also, you know, full of endorphins.
2: And and like critically, that's a great feeling to feel. I think as your average moviegoer that sucks. Like, you know mm, Yeah. Uh, right, like I mean, like, you know, if you're if you're just going to the movies, because you've had a long work week, you want to escape for a little bit. I don't think that's the feeling your, your average moviegoer is, is looking for. And uh, I respect that.
1: Like, I mean, I, I don't think the I don't average think moviegoer go, is going that. to Bose Afraid to get a feel-good movie after a long week of work. No, absolutely. especially from yeah, the same guy yeah. who made um, Hereditary. And, yeah. and
0: Summer, and yeah. And Which bears pointing out, both over two hours long.
1: Both. <laughs> well and we yeah. should we should mention too both are much more straightforward horror yes like i i think one of this the reasons not really a this horror movie. movie has been divisive is people went in expecting horror and there's certainly aspects of horror and the grotesque and disturbing in this movie but overall it's like a It's just a black comedy. It's yeah, I would even say it's a comedy for sickos and it's like a a a vanta black comedy. Well,
2: you know who who it is a horror movie for Bo? It's a horror movie for Bo. It's not for us as the viewer. We're laughing at all the things that are happening. But Bo is not. He's having a terrible time, and I think that's really funny. If, again, for sickos, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I
0: imagine this could overall be uh, a horror a horror movie for uh, the most neurotic among the population, the small bean uh, anxiety uh, freaks, um, <laughs> respectfully.
2: Hold on, Rewind. did you say the small bean anxiety freaks? Yeah, yeah. you
0: know, like yeah. oh, I'm such a small bean, and like if you like if you ask me to like leave my house, I'm gonna ha- have a panic attack and die, and it's ableist of you to suggest otherwise. I'm
2: tracking, that makes good sense, I've never heard it described like that that's very
0: funny Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so yeah well, we... it,
0: it's funny because, you know
1: it, it captures the feeling of having anxiety so well where it feels so lived in and so, like, through Bo's lens, but at the same time it gives it sort of a directness and over-the-topness that it becomes hilarious yeah. you know i i think of stuff like uncut gems where it's just that overarching feeling of anxiety throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. and i think the difference between that and this is like it's just turning the dial further and further up to the point of absurdity yeah. you know yes. where it it's clear that this is not normal, you know, or, no. or even reliable.
0: Well, I mean, it is, it is a film, like you said, Ben, that is presented entirely from Bo's perspective. There is not a single minute in the film that we are not experiencing the world through Bo's eyes in a hyper-exaggerated, absurdist kind of way. This is a movie where if you go in looking for literalism, you're going to have a bad time from the fucking get-go. Yeah. And I, I think that, like, a lot of the critiques that I've seen of this movie from, we'll call them, we'll say, like, your your average movie-going the audience. Normies. Norm Yeah, like, not <laughs> film Twitter people, right? Is that, like... What, what is the point of all of these scenes? Like, what is the point of the play in the woods? Like, what is the point of the scene at the end? You know, like, what is the point of these things? It's like, I think, I think people are looking for a lot of, like, very straightforward, literal meaning when it's not necessarily that. And again, like,
2: what's the fucking point of the Cyclops in the Odyssey? Right. right? Like, what, what's the point of the next skit in a, in a sketch comedy show? Right, mm. like they don't necessarily have to flow into each other. There could be an overarching theme, you know. Well, there could be whatever, but like it doesn't always necessarily not not everything needs to bear narrative weight. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I I like going to the movie for the escapism, for like the journey, and it's okay if not everything encountered along the journey like has an effect on the end. And I think that's like a super Western, you know, kind of mentality. You know, see, I think, the I think thing be... is,
1: I agree with you, but I think. It does flow into each other, really. Yeah, no, nice. totally. it does. It, it does in the circumstances, you know, for sure. Totally. I think uh, this movie is very episodic. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think of you know Hateful Eight a few years back. They Netflix put out like a four hour cut in like one hour episodes, and like I could see them doing something with this, even, I hope they do. because like it is very sectional. In like Bo's apartment is the first quote unquote episode. that mm-hmm. you get the. Uh, Suburban kidnapping, I'm gonna call it. Yeah. Then you have the uh, the forest play, and then finally you have Bo's return.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, um, and also like much like Hateful Eight, I mean even so more so with Hateful Eight, like it feels like a stage play, and stage plays often have that longer runtime. That's why like I'm not such a hardcore advocate to like oh every movie has to be a tight ninety. Right, because like like you miss out on like longer format storytelling. Yeah, it's still something you want to sit through in one go. It's not like episodic
0: television. It, it is just so there's like a middle ground between the two. the the real the key the key aspect I think is that the longer a movie gets, the more it is required to justify its runtime. Yes, 100%. a shitty move a shitty movie that's eighty to ninety minutes is not offensive because of its length. That's mm-hmm. the length that you expect from a film. A shitty film that is two and a half hours is much more offensive. See, And I
1: think the smart technique that every good long movie does is they make it episodic in Mm -hmm. some form.
0: Because if you
1: have one overarching story, unless you're fucking Lawrence of Arabia and have a fucking beautiful, you know, tableau. Uh, it's hard to keep people's attention. For I was that. just about
2: to mention Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, and absolutely. on a, a, and for honestly, same reason. And that my, has a 15 minute intermission <clears throat> in
0: the middle. To my point about length, when it, when it comes to quality of films too, like I can see the reason why a lot of people are like, I, I've seen like a lot of people like mad about this movie, like hate it to the point that they're like angry about it, <laughs> and. <laughs> For people who go into this already not liking the type of movie it is, the length would be interminable. I, I can see how by the time you get to the end of this and you have not been having a good time for three hours, you would walk out of it, like, feeling pissed off. You know like, the, it wasted your time. You know who I feel like this meme really isn't for? Me IRL, people. Right? Do you know
2: those <laughs> me IRL memes where it's just, like, depression memes, like, constantly... Like that kind of shit. I, I feel like if, if you're that kind of a person, you're probably going to have a bad time. With See,
0: it. I feel like there are so many points in this movie where I was thinking like, while something was happening, I was a me IRL, right? But
2: like, yeah. if you're taking it literally, <laughs> yeah, like it, it it feels too personal, and you're going to hate it. You yeah. know, like it's going to make you feel bad and uncomfortable. But again, if you are looking at if you are looking at Bo, if you're not, if you're in Bo's shoes, you're you're having a shitty time because Bo is. But again, if you're sitting outside of Bo and you're laughing at the situation, it's great. Like, it's really
0: fucking funny. I think, I think there, that there is a middle ground with that. And I think, I think that I, personally, I was able to do both. Cause like, notably ahead of, ahead of this movie's release, Ari Aster in like sort of the, the press lead up was talking about how one of his main goals with this movie was to make people watching it feel like a loser. Like, to put you in the (laughs) shoes of a loser. I like that. And I don't know if I'm necessarily right with this, but I think maybe this movie... Might not connect with people who aren't accustomed to feeling like a loser. Well, and I think beyond that, I like, think those might be the people who are getting the, mad at it the most, or the people who are like really, really like everything they do in life is like geared towards not being a loser. Yeah, and and I think uh, you got to embrace the there, loser. There's <laughs> a
1: there's a cruelty to a lot of this. Movie yeah, yeah. That yes, I well, it's, think it's immensely that, uh, cruel uh, people that don't feel like a loser don't really feel externally all that often yeah you know um i i i think this movie is oppressively cruel at times you know most of the time it that that's played for laughs but some of the time it isn't and like that is extremely disturbing and i could see how that would be extremely off-putting to the average person and i think those are
0: the times where the movie really reminds you that like this is an ari aster film Mm -hmm. because i think that's sort of like uh, a theme in a lot of his movies is like really horrible things happening to like people who don't necessarily deserve it and having and presenting it from kind of a passive distance some of that has to do with the framing but like you do just often, like, watch horrible things happen to people and you're, like, set back from it, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that even though this isn't, like, a straightforward horror movie like something Hereditary or Midsummer, like, it does feel like an Ari Aster movie. Sure, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it looks like one. It feels like one. Like, I think it's, it's unmistakably his style. It's different from those other movies, but, like, it still feels like him.
2: Well, I think that's that's another problem, too, is... Uh, you you already mentioned it, but people going into this movie expecting an outright horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just... I've said it once, I'll say it again. I'm... I don't... Stop fucking pigeonholing directors. Yeah. You know? Like, let let horror movie directors make comedies. Let them do whatever. Let them explore. Horror and comedy both require punchlines. Like, like they're very... They have very similar DNA, um, they both involve revelations, and it it's great. And this movie is a beautiful mix of the two. And uh, you know, much like Jordan Peele's latest movie, like that's essentially an adventure film. Like
0: let him, let him do it, let him go crazy. Yeah, and you know, I was great. something I was thinking about last night while we were driving home is that like how interesting it is to watch the trajectory of Jordan Peele, Robert Eggers, and Ari Aster, who I think. Are the closest things we have like right now to like modern horror auteurs, and you know all three of them put out like banger second films in 2019. You know on the podcast we call that the year of the sophomore bump, right? And now since then we've gotten third entries from all of them, and especially with Eggers and Aster, peel to a much lesser degree. But the third movies have been breaks from what is typically, like, expected of them. Long, indulgent sort of epics that are not necessarily as well-received as their previous entries, yeah. but still feel very much within, like, the style. Like Yeah.
1: Well, when we were coming out of the movie theater, I was talking about how much I love, like, auteurist, like, I, I like to call them blank check movies mm-hmm. where, you know, the director finds a massive amount of success with the movie and so a studio just gives them a blank check. Do whatever you want. Yep. And usually that leads to getting some of the weirdest most interesting movies. You know, the one that is kind of the er example of that is uh, Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. You know, Richard Kelly, director one. of Donnie Darko critically acclaimed, midnight movie galore, beloved by so many people, goes on to direct this three-and-a-half-hour weirdo sci-fi Hollywood epic starring Sarah Michelle Gellar and The Weirdo Rock. is
2: the word. Southland Tales is fucking wild. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a weird movie. But that's the exact type of movie that you get out of a blank check movie. And I think this is a great comparison to mm-hmm. that because this is... Like taking director tendencies and like ideas that are bubbling under the surface and stuff like midsummer, yeah, and just pushing it to the extreme, yeah. well, apparently,
0: apparently, I was reading that Ari Astor has been working on this film in some capacity for his entire career. It he made was, a
1: short film
0: in 2011. Yeah. That was just called bow. I mm-hmm. have not seen that. Me either. Um, but it's, it's like pre hereditarian stuff. And, uh, he's been working on and refining the script for this movie for, you know, 10 some years. It was originally, he wanted to expand that short film, into a feature length as his like debut feature, as Bo is Afraid, um, and then decided against it, probably for the best. I think if he had tried to make this movie not having the goodwill of huge successes such as Hereditary and Midsommar, it would have turned out... Uh, probably more disastrously yeah. and also yeah, you he would have, have he had would a hard had, time getting his career off the would ground have had a way harder
1: time funding it yeah it definitely wouldn't have starred joaquin phoenix yep it wouldn't have had all of the great character actors and supporting players like amy ryan and nathan lane and parker posey yep um it would have been a much different movie and maybe it would have worked, but I don't think it would have worked as well.
0: Well, I don't think it would have been successful enough to, like, really launch his career in no. the same way that Hereditary did. Yeah. Hereditary um,
1: is probably his most straightforward work, comparatively. Yep.
0: And, probably, and probably the most polished as well, I would say. But he obviously has very different goals with something like this. Um, I'd say that... The description of indulgent is not wrong. Yes, this movie well, is definitely indulgent. It is indulgent, but it's so like the, it's the so de- it's so fucking interesting and fun and weird that I don't mind how indulgent uh, yeah. it is. Like, normally,
2: I would find it wanky, but like I just liked the subject matter so yeah. much, I
1: thought it was like engaging and funny, so I didn't mind the indulgence. But it yeah. is indulgent. It is. Yeah. Well, we've gotten this far into the episode, and we haven't really explained what the movie is about. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to describe. It's very difficult to yeah. do. I was trying to rack my brain about it because uh, we made friends with the bartender at our local theater, and he asked us to give him like a rundown on how it was. Uh, after we got out of the movie theater, I was racking my brain thinking of a good way to explain it. And my best way to explain it is, imagine the most anxious person you know where every excuse they give is actually true. Yes. Yeah. And the misadventures of uh, that person as they go to visit their mom. No, it's house.
2: great. That's yeah. a wonderful you know. pitch for it. Like it's, it, it. If if you're paranoid, or in other words, you're not paranoid. If everything is actually out to get you, yeah. And it, literally everything is for Bo. and it's just an it, it's just one thing out to get him after another. And mm-hmm. what I really like about that is there's a lot of dialogue with other characters that he's known from his past that implies that he's always been like this, and people are tired of putting up with it.
0: Well, and of course he's always been like this. Right. Because the, root, the root of all of his problems is his mother. Yeah, she has made him com- a completely but, neurotic and anxious wreck, yeah, and so he's, I, he has always been I like think this. I by the
1: third act, like that description of the movie becomes a little reductionistic, but I think to get someone in, yes, yeah. that's a great explanation, because mm-hmm. I think this movie is way more complex than that. It's um, also a good primer. Because, like, going
2: in and knowing, like, hey, those things are real, they're out to get him, helps you disconnect from it a little bit. Like, the first 10, 15 minutes of the film or so, like, I was having a good time, but I was, like, earnestly anxious. And, like, kind of upset by the things that were happening to Bo, because they're really well done. But from the moment, like, the entire city block. Just goes into his apartment complex. Like that was the moment where it really clicked for him. Is like this isn't real. I can laugh at it. It's yeah. funny. See, you know, like and and that it was, does it does kind of
0: it does kind of like ease you into the absurdity a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I think that at least the first hour hour and a half of this film is just a uh, a feature length. I think you should leave sketch. Mm -hmm. it has it has a lot of the same kind of structure like similarly just like completely absurd like absurdist humor with kind of like a sinister overtone to it but also like the structure where like the insanity just continues ramping over the course Mm -hmm. of the sketch where like it starts at the beginning like almost entirely grounded and then something weird happens and then that just escalates and escalates and escalates until it's totally outside the realm of of reality
1: it's something that i absolutely love in movies and with when i was in film school that i always wanted to emulate is like trying to take an absurd premise and kind of play it you know, to the extreme mm-hmm. extent, and I think this movie just nails that. And perfectly. take it take it seriously um, too, without yeah.
0: without ever like winking at the audience.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I I think the best way to navigate the discussion of stuff going on in this movie is very episodic. So let's kind of focus on the 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 first sort of episode where he's at home, you know, and his. Yes. Hellish life in the city, so to speak, because it, it, for him, it is hellish. You know, he lives in a sort of seemingly post-apocalyptic cityscape. Well, what,
0: what we see, what we, what, what is established very early on is that Bo has had the sort of like overbearing, domineering, hyper-protective mother that raises their children to be afraid of the world and afraid of going outside Mm -hmm. and so because we experience everything through his eyes the world is just that hostile place Mm -hmm. that your mom makes it out to be to try to scare you into not like going into wrong neighborhoods and shit
1: i think they set that up so perfectly with the first shot of the movie it felt very uncut gems-esque. You know, uncut gems. You know, you you travel through the asshole. This one is you're traveling through the vaginal canal as as Beau's he's being, being born. born. Yeah, and it's all from his perspective, so you it's very blurry-eyed, and it's, you see
0: it's loud, dark, impressionistic it's, it's almost.
1: Yeah, um, but it's it's tense because the the mom is screaming at the doctors angrily the whole time.
0: And, uh, and you've got this loud, rapid, insistent heartbeat going, mm-hmm. too. It's like, yeah, it's extremely tense from the very beginning. It's like, he, it's showing you this character was literally born into anxiety. Like, yeah. the first moments of his existence in this world were anxious. Well, and he's like, never stopped being anxious and afraid. She's, yeah.
2: like, shouting at the doctors because she thinks, and maybe they did, they dropped
1: him
0: yeah
2: and she's like what the fuck you dropped him like is he okay is he alive is he bringing why are you slapping him you know because like they're slapping the baby yeah. in the butt to like you know get him to breathe and uh but she's like why are you hitting my child and shit it's like "Well, calm down like oh my god um and it's yeah it's super anxious and again like there's a lot of industrial sounds like as he's being born too that's just cranked up to 11 it's super loud it's super <laughs> abrasive it really put me off honestly um Especially when I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is this wanky shit? Why are there flashing lights? It's so loud. I don't like, oh, he's being born. Yeah, that sucks. It's loud. It's angry. It's, it's uh, anxiety-inducing.
0: And, so, and so are we. We are being born as Bo. So that we can live in Here. Bo's head for the next three fucking hours. Live the know? life of a loser. Live the life hours. of a loser. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's. I think it also a good way to discuss this movie is because of how dense it is. I think we should try to not get too into the weeds. Into the weeds. Broad strokes with like g- specific examples of funny or interesting things um' cause there this movie is like so there's so much detail that it it's really easy to get lost in it i th- I feel like it demands multiple viewings because of that um yeah,
1: I mean, well it's understandable Ari Aster worked on the script for like a decade because it has almost a literary. A uh, level of density to it, yes. and like there's so many minor details that kind of play into the th- the themes of uh, Bo's trauma and anxiety and relationship with his very narcissistic,
0: overbearing mother. Yeah. You know? Well, another way that Ari Aster described this is as Jewish Lord of the Rings, which <laughs> is very funny. Um, I don't think totally accurate. I think a better and and a punnier way to describe this is that it is Ulysses. Ulysses.
2: That's really funny. That's really funny. Um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said it. Uh, you and you mentioned Ulysses earlier. It's an Odyssey, yes. Right. So um, uh, I, I have a, a work uh, a colleague who who went to go see this a, a few days before before us, and um, he was like, "You got to you got to tell me what you think of it." I'd heard it described as like. Um, an odyssey of like just a normal guy and i was like uh oh, that sounds awful ulysses sucks <laughs> like okay so i haven't read james joyce's ulysses but i did
0: um but you're willing to say that it sucks even though you haven't
2: read well that. okay so like uh i'm not not fully but i mean, the conceptually it sucks to me like uh one of my exes uh, uh at the time was was doing a college course on ulysses and so they talked to me about it it sounds awful. Yeah, it sounds really grueling. It's it's the uh, it's it's the Odyssey, but from just the perspective of just an average just Irish a dude guy,
0: walking around Dublin, just a guy walking a around, yeah.
2: and and but it's it's a fucking tome. It's it's really lengthy and extensive, and it's an exercise in nothing, and that's fine. But like that sounds boring as fuck, right? Like I I I get it. I get the idea. It's like okay, cool. Like how do you have a narrative out of no narrative? Okay, neat
0: whatever i would caution you to not speak on something you haven't read too authoritatively like i like i said just on a concept conceptually just, like, a conceptual you're not level, you're not interested i'm not
2: interested and it seems it seems like a an endeavor like um i think i prefaced fine on that but the
0: uh, yeah, i think it's supposed to be an endeavor right endeavor. but it's, like
2: with Bo. i mean Bo is essentially that but there is it's a loser's odyssey it's a loser's odyssey But the surrealism really helps. Mm -hmm. Well, like yeah, and and everything that is happening is still like pretty full of action. It feels
0: fantastical, Yeah. yeah,
2: and adventure. You know, like there's there's crazy stuff happening pretty constantly, and
1: it's it's very engaging. I haven't read Ulysses either, but I have read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which is like a novella by Joyce. And I think the thing, much like this movie, that saves James Joyce's writing is his tone and technique. And I think this movie nails that stuff so well um, that it takes what could be a very mundane story and just turns it up to 110.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, again, the the absurdity and the realism helps with that so much because it does... What he's experiencing does not feel mundane. Like, where Mm -hmm. he lives, like, yeah, it feels like a third world country right just like people literally dead on the street the birthday boy stab man the the serial killer who's just a naked guy who runs around stabbing people and i i love the what the first like how they introduce uh that that block where they like pan up from like the the like corpse that's just in the middle of the street and you see all these people and like just like these degenerates and it sort of punches in on this like overly tatted up guy he's Hookers got like
1: having sex in the street and people doing drugs
0: yep and... exactly and then it's we see this we, see this we see this tattooed guy and he just like turns and looks like at the camera and then we cut and just from way down the street like the like fucking monty away. like monty python bit we just see Bo sprinting directly at the camera and and then and and then he at the last minute he like hooks right and runs into his apartment building as he's being chased by the tattooed guy. It's like I love how that sets it up. It's like he's used to this. This is how he has to go into his house every time he comes home at a full fucking sprint because someone's gonna try to chase him inside. Yeah.
1: Well, he lives right above an adult store called Erectus Ejectus.
0: Yeah. Right there, it's <laughs> it's a, a, a fucking, like, porno theater. His his, uh, his building is covered in graffiti. Yeah, it's, like, so the, uh, seedy and nasty. The elevator
1: doors won't quite open. It, and when they do, they, like, spark at sm- the bottom. Sparking
0: and smoking. <laughs> They've got the the sign taped on all of the apartment doors like, look out for brown recluses. It's got like a picture of what a brown recluse might be. like. And a terrible like. wound, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: and just... of course like the moment like uh, when, when he's entering his apartment and he passes the brown recluse warning sign, we cut to the inside of his apartment right before he enters and there's a brown recluse on the floor. He just and crawls, crawls just under just crawls the, the couch. He turns the light on and it, it crawls under the couch. And it's like, and that's that's the first, and I love it because like right off the bat, they're telegraphing to us like, hey, everything he's seeing, all these things, they're real.
0: Yeah, They're real to him. And Exactly. Yeah, right. so as soon as he sees that sign, of course he Im- imagines that there's a, a brown recluse in his apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we see that immediately. The confrontation quote-unquote confrontation he has with the neighbor where he's in bed and someone slides a note under his door that's like, could you please turn your music down? But he's, like, not playing music. And then later comes back and is like, please, we're trying to sleep. Turn down the music. (laughs) One comes under the door. It's like, I asked you to turn it down and And you you turned
1: it it up. up. (laughs) And it's great, too, because, like, anyone
2: else could just... Would would likely just like write another note and paste it on the outside of the door, being like "I am sleeping it's like, someone I'm not else playing
0: you mean like,
2: there's any there's any number of things you could do or like run to the door and answer it and like talk to the guy but um and like by like the third or fourth note, he finally does like kind of go outside, but way too late. And uh, well, yeah, because as but, soon as he
0: pokes his head out, the hall is empty, you know, yeah, it's like he's never. Be. Yeah, he's and, never uh, going to be able to mm-hmm. he's he's just the victim of all of this. Right. He has right. no he has no agency over anything that happens to him. And of course, the world is out to get him.
2: Right. And of course, mm-hmm. like, because he's he's uh, he's such an anxious uh, guy, he's he's too afraid to, like, deal with it until it's too late anyway. Yeah, You know, like, by the third note, it's it's already... And then you
0: know, eventually, the neighbor goes in and just starts blasting their own music, so now he can't sleep. Yeah.
2: Well, I love it, too, because you hear him shout from across the wall, like, See how it feels, you know? I'm yeah. Blasted. And the funny thing, too, is he's blasting, like, world music. It's, like, fucking, like...
1: It's, like, super abrasive, like, techno-ish stuff at first, and it has, like weird synth melodies on top of it. Yeah, but there's, like, weird, like, jazzy bits. By the end, when he wakes up, yeah, Yeah. it becomes, like, abrasive free jazz
0: almost. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very (laughs) funny. It's just incredible. So, Um, and this
0: causes him to weigh sleep. so he's trying to get to the airport on time. He forgets something, runs back inside to grab it, goes back out, and his keys have been stolen out of his door. As well as his suitcase. And his suitcase... So, you know, he calls his mom to be like, hey, I, you know, my keys are stolen. Well, like, what should I do? Because, of course, he doesn't know what to do himself. Um, and she gives him, like, a very passive, acts like it's his fault. It's like he's making up an excuse to not come and visit her. You know, she tells him, and he's like, what should I do? She's like, oh, I trust that you'll do the right thing. And he's like, well, what is the right thing? <laughs> Tell me. He takes um, some medication that he's supposed to only take with water.
1: Yeah, he got it from his therapist, his therapist which we yeah. should sure mention uh, is played by Stephen McKinley, who's yep. one of my favorite character actors of recent. He was in Devs, and he's been in Dune mm-hmm. recently. It's he's the, he's awesome. the Mentat. Yeah, There's he's, uh, he's
0: fear Hawat in, in yeah. Dune. Yeah. Um, yeah, so gives him this new medication, but it's like, oh, but you have to take it with water. So Bo takes it, but right at that moment realizes that the water is shut off in his apartment. <laughs> of course it is. So he tries to, uh, well, he first he Googles to see what happens if he takes uh, <laughs> takes this without water. It's just a headline
2: about someone dying. Yeah, it's so, like it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so it's like-
0: Remembering Gary. Yeah. It's
2: he's always the worst case scenario every time.
0: So he tries to run across to the coroner's <laughs> store across the street to get some water but he doesn't have his keys so he has to prop the door to his apartment open with a phone book so he's like looking over his shoulder and oh he's bu- trying to buy a bottle of water but his credit card is declined <laughs> and the bottle of water costs a dollar and 70 cents but the the clerk is threatening to call the cops over it he finds like a dollar in his pocket and he's like no you still need 70 more cents and all the while this is happening he's seeing just like the horde of degenerates out in the street like zombies all starting to move towards the open
2: apartment <laughs> door. The entire state block. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Just Just, just, like
2: like dozens, dozens
0: of people. Yeah, like fucking Dawn of the Dead or something. (laughs) As he's digging coins out of his pocket, and the clerk is like, "No, you still need thirty more cents. I'm going to call the police." It's just like seeing. It's just like no, 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 no. (laughs) Just like all of these people going into the apartment building, and of course they all take up residence inside his apartment. I love how all the different
1: people of the block are like. Various types of weird degenerates, yeah, and-, and one of them is just really tall because, of course, Bo is f- afraid of really tall people too.
0: Yeah, it's just like he—I mean, he's—he sees all of these people as as zombies, basically, yeah. you know, like as the living dead. So they're all monstrous and gross. Um, and so he spends the night out on the the. Uh, fire escape, just like watching as his apartment is entirely destroyed by all of these people. I said I didn't want to get bogged down in the details, but I do have to mention my other... part Probably the part of the, the movie that made me laugh the hardest, is when he finally gets all these people out of the apartment. Or, well, they leave. He doesn't get them out. They finally leave, and he it starts taking a bath. And... He's sitting there like on his phone in the bathtub and we hear like a couple of droplets of water falling and it's like oh it, oh is there a leak from upstairs or something and he just looks up and there's just this guy just like who's like wedged himself like up onto the ceiling just like sweating the look on his face is like pure terror and he's just like sweating dripping down onto Bo <laughs> just like this big like schlubby fat guy just like up on the like ceiling Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah like Spider-Man up on the ceiling like he's trying to hide from him up there or something yeah, like terrified. he looks terrified and then the, the brown Recluse crawls across his face and that caused him to lose his grip and falls into the tub on top of Bo and they just, for just a minute or two, they just kind of thrash around in the tub. (laughs) <laughs> I into like music, too, and, like, you see, like, Bo's, like, naked part, butt flopping around. It's so funny. I that part was so fucking I, funny, man. That yeah. felt the most like an it, I-think-you-should-leave kind of bit. Like, like walking oh, Phoenix's I, expression, too, like, when
2: he sees him is so good. Like, he's just... He's processing it all so slowly because he's so paralyzed with fear. Yeah. He does, he's just <laughs> not able... And he has plenty of time to get up and out of this bathtub but he's so scared he's like a deer in the headlights and you can see like his whole face like just like all the gears are turning as he's trying to figure out like what is going on what do I do I'm so scared and by then it's too late and the guy falls on him and it's so fun like throughout the movie like Joaquin Phoenix is just does such an amazing job of uh of just soaking it all in like he's just constantly panicking trembling lips he's he's just having such a hilariously bad time
0: i saw somebody describe his performance as like if you gave a 10 year old a zoloft and then and then (laughs) asked it and then asked him to go grocery shopping for you yes (laughs) and it's like that that is joaquin phoenix's performance throughout this entire movie uh well i mean he spends like most of the movie like doped up on on one thing or another yeah. right cuz like he's got the new medication he's not willing. and and then yeah like later in the in the second act the, the the teenage girl like the girls like blackmail him into smoking like some kind of like mystery joint i love how he asks it- like what's is like what's in this and they're like it's three, three things, things. okay (laughs) yeah uh... so funny but yeah his his he's so he's so like shell-shocked and just like drugged up also in like a state of grief because we haven't mentioned yet but like the sort of biggest inciting incident is he discovers that his mother is dead he tries to call her and a ups guy answers the phone who's found her body her head has been crushed by a chandelier that fell on her. the
2: conversation is great too
0: it's really funny yeah we it's revealed later that the that the ups guy is bill Hader. Uh, i didn't recognize his in i the voice
2: seemed familiar to me, but I couldn't place
0: it. Yeah, him. I didn't recognize the voice. Well, I love when they, they show him on the news, he's got his back to the camera. You almost can't tell you, it's him. Yeah, it's like, you, he, he's like sort of half looking over his shoulder and like, you can see the profile. It's like, okay, yeah. that's Bill Hader, but we never really like, see his face. It sounds
2: like he had a conversation with the news anchor where like, he kind of half agreed to be anonymous. Yeah, you know? yeah, Like, he doesn't want to get fired or whatever. Really it's funny
0: like, detail. Yeah. Uh, but, um, um, so yeah, he's, you know, the the whole thing is also him like trying to process the 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 great the complicated feelings he has over the death of his mother as he's trying to make it home in time for the funeral um, because the the all the family and friends are sitting shiva. in perpetual shiva until he gets there. Yeah.
2: Um, and it, well, it's described on the phone to him by one of the family members. It's like uh,
0: the the mom's lawyer. Yeah, uh,
2: which is funny because he starts with like, "Oh, Doctor So-and-so, Was like, "I'm not a doctor. He's like, I'm, I'm not, not a doctor. Lawyer. I'm your mom's like, lawyer." And yeah, like your your mother is like uh, sitting here in embarrassment and shame or something until you get here I mean, it's like humiliating yeah humiliation yeah, yeah that's like, uses, you are, yeah. Yeah, like you're humiliating your mother by not being here it's like and like he tries to tell him like i was in a car he was i'm like i was like i was hit by a car like i'm having a really bad time because like, your mother is being humiliated every second you're not here and he's like i'm sorry i yeah. gonna try and be it's like here. i can't
0: take a flight my credit card got declined <laughs> like it's like yeah i mean the, the he he has valid excuses of course but the whole world is against him you know the world is a is a hostile And terrifying place.
1: Yeah, and I think one repeated theme of this movie is like being so anxious that you're unable to take action. You know, like we talked about it earlier with the dude above him in the Mm -hmm. the bathtub, but you know, I I think you see lots of different facets of that. Whether it's his uh sexual hang-ups and fears around that with Elaine later yep um which we'll get to there's even you know grief and sadness around that because it's like the essence of life is taking risks but if you're so anxious that you can't bring yourself to take risks there is a sort of feeling of missing out at a certain point that definitely comes through with beau and especially with the stuff with elaine But throughout with the stuff with the funeral, because it feels like he, he feels like he needs to do it, Mm -hmm. but he continually can't bring himself to get the agency to... To, to get it done himself.
0: Yeah, he's he's been so controlled by his mother his entire life that he's not able to make decisions himself. Mm-hmm. He has to ask her what to do. You know when his keys have been stolen. I like that he tries to call uh, the the landlord to get a locksmith. No solicitor. And they're just like no solicitor. He's like, oh no, I'm not a solicitor. I'm one of your ten your tenants. It's like I said, no soliciting It just hangs up on him. <laughs> um, but we should we've we've hinted at it. We should get into like the second. Big act of yes. the film. Um, the first one ends with him running out into the street and getting hit by a car. Um, the, well, he runs we up get the that street.
1: Great sequence.
2: Yeah, he runs. He runs <laughs> up to a cop. The cop immediately thinks he's the naked birthday he, stab he, man. He's the birthday boy. Points stab a gun at him, him and goes like, man, yeah. oh, no, no! And, he try, and he just runs because the cop isn't hearing it. The cop's like, I'm gonna shoot. And, and then he does do get
0: stabbed by the birthday and, boy. Yeah, stab. man. He Turns man. the corner.
2: There's the birthday boy stab man. Of course, all these things are real. And he's and then immediately hit by a car. Yep. It's funny too, because we flash back later and apparently after he's was hit by a car, he was also then stabbed by the birthday boy uh, yeah. stab man.
0: <laughs> um so yes, he he's hit by a car, and so he wakes up In an unfamiliar room, what is very obviously like a teenage girl's room? Teenage K-pop stand. Yeah, well, boy bands, K K K-pop and boy bands. I was look. There's so like these are all like very obviously like fake bands, but there's so many fucking uh, funny ones. There's what. uh, I think one of them was Gadawana. <laughs> um, uh, one of them was just uh, like five boys or something like that. <laughs> um, but anyway, he wakes up in this home, and we discover that the people who hit him with their car have uh, taken him home and are like caring for him. It's uh, Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan. Um, and Nathan Lane is like a renowned surgeon virgin or something. So he was able to, uh, stitch Bo up and he's got him on a bunch of meds and everything. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, you can stay here as long as you want. Like, this is your home for as long as you want it. And so like, we start to learn gradually that, their son was killed. Uh, he was a soldier. He was killed in action, Caracas, uh, <laughs> in Caracas, and um, so they have this this um, this void in their family that they're trying to fill of the son. So they sort of like forcibly adopt Bo, and it's one of those things where like they keep saying they'll take him to like his mom's funeral it's like oh it's just that's just 6 hours drive away we'll take you but they keep like pushing they keep they're keep being excuses for why they can't take him um so it's like you know that they're obviously like trying to keep him there but also the the younger sister is like violently antagonistic
2: yeah well because like she's she's envious of her dead brother cuz like you know like she she's not allowed to just be anymore yeah. like the the dead brothers taken up all the real estate. So well, yeah, they she's so been ki-
0: she's been kicked out of her room for Bo to sleep in it instead of them letting Bo use the the dead brothers room, you know, cuz they're keeping it as is as sort of like a shrine, shrine. right? Yeah. You know. So like she's like we've got a whole diff- we ha- a whole other room that's not being used. Like why does he have to sleep in my bed? Um
1: Yeah, this whole suburban sequence reminded me a lot of, like, Todd Salon's movies, like Welcome to the Dollhouse or Dark Horse or Palindromes especially, where it takes, like, the sort of idyllic veneer of, like, suburban life and shows kind of the darkness that underbellies it. Because this... At first, this feels like a fantasy of Bows. You know, to have a normal nuclear family a normal life suburban life you know when he wakes up he's almost infantilized by these very very benevolent seeming caring parent figures yep um but as things go along you realize it's not really what it seems is it
0: yeah well there's there's all this like weird sort of like ambiguous vague, like, paranoia stuff. Like, that one point, like, the Amy Ryan, like, gives him coffee, and he picks it up, and on the napkin, it's written like, stop incriminating yourself. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> like, what does this mean? <laughs> and we feel the same way. <laughs> it's, it, it's totally from nothing. It's totally out of the blue. Like,
2: what is that? What the fuck and does that there's mean?
0: There's, like, there's, like, he, a couple of times, he, like, looks out the window and he sees, like, like, a mysterious man, like, standing in the trees, like, sort of, like, looking through the windows and, like, watching him. There's the part where, um, Amy Ryan, like, tells him to find something to watch on TV, and then she, like, whispers a certain channel to him, and he turns it on, and, and it's cameras in the house, and then that, they have, it does a little surreal thing where he's like very
1: Michelle Haneke funny games type of
0: thing well yeah he's like rewinding it and he's like watching him the cameras like watch him but then he like starts fast forwarding it and it goes like up past the point that we're at in it the movie goes to the end of the movie yeah, yeah it does it like flashes through like yeah. things to come in the film like to the end um <laughs> and that like really freaks him out of course uh one of the best aspects of this is they also have living in this like little mobile home in their backyard they've got uh this guy who was like one of their dead son's like squad mates who they've also sort of adopted, but he's like totally insane, like non-verbal. Obviously, still like feels like he's living in the war. He's like, Bo's like on the phone talking to the oh, lawyer, and just like in the background, this dude is just like like army crawling through the grass and like sliding down the hill and like sneaking up behind him and he like runs cool. and he, like it's, it's... jumps into the pond, but he's like pretending to hold a gun up over his head. I love
2: the shot too. It's it's like it's
0: it's almost... all like one shot yeah. of just like Bo in the foreground on the chair talking and just like seeing this dude like make his way across the course of the yard like in the background. Well,
2: it's like it's it's so like perfectly framed too. Like it it, it gave me almost like Wes Anderson vibes with like Bo like perfectly in the set. Center, and he goes to this conversation. We got, see the guy like first like army crawl into frame on the right, and he suddenly makes his way behind Bo and he's like telling Bo to be quiet, you know, like hush, because you know like there's you know like we're we're in a com he thinks we're in a combat zone. I love yeah when he goes up and over to the left too, like he hops in the pool and he goes to the pool like he's carrying a gun yeah. over his head. And then he, he goes through the pool, up and over, and then he vanishes into the hedges. And he's also he's like a really like stocky kind of fat dude. Yeah. Like and so like the the, the the action poses and everything are just compounded by that. and It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, every time we see him like in the like watching him through the windows or whatever, like and he's like hot and he's steamed. It's really funny.
0: Well, like,
1: it's, it's just it, like an angry bulldog. It's even funnier that the the sister character is sort of like going to him to speak ill of Bo.
0: Yeah. Uh, to behind like, his back. Yeah. You know, he,
1: he, we keep seeing scenes like through windows. Where she's going up to the trailer. Like, in the middle like, of the night, like, yeah.
0: banging on the door. And yeah, like... and
1: they both look at Bo, and, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's some conspiracy going on. Yeah. You know, like, they're out to get him. And, you know, that never really materializes in, like, a meaningful way. Um, which, I, I don't think it's, it's not supposed to, you know. Like, it's all just, like, these Everyone's imagined, yeah, these imagined threats. But it, it. Uh, we we mentioned it already, but the daughter and her friend being like, Oh, we'll drive you back to your mom's house or whatever. And they just get in the car, they just like drive him around the corner a few times and make the him house twice. and make him smoke this like evil joint. I will say right
1: <laughs> before that, we get one of my favorite sequences where Bo is Looking on the sister's computer, oh, yeah. and sees a like news clip about his mom dying mm. uh, being crushed by a chandelier. Um, it's like a news report, and he sees a clip of Elaine, um which we do get flashbacks of around this time, but especially mm. later. but he sees her. And rewinds it and gets so anxious that he just projectile vomits on the computer. And immediately when he does that, the sister comes in the room of Did you just throw up
0: on my computer? Um, well, yeah, we've we've mentioned Elaine a couple times. We should unpack that a little bit. Like, this is one of Bo's, like, biggest hang-ups. We have flashbacks to when he was a young boy and went on, like, a cruise with his mom, met this girl that he sort of, like, fell in love with. They, like, made out a little bit. Um, but then she, like, left in the middle of the night in, like, a very dramatic way um like screaming at him you know my mom's taking me off the ship please wait for me wait for me you know um and so we sort of learn that he has been waiting for her his entire life mm-hmm. and we get uh like a polaroid
1: yep. in his uh apartment of that her. they took on that yeah.
0: yeah on the on the ship and this is also around the time where we uh maybe it's not right this time but just a little bit later but anyway among all of this we also you know have some flashbacks of his childhood and interactions with his mother and there's one where his mother is telling him that how his how, father how his father died that he His father and his father's father and his father's grandfather have all died the same way. The very first time they have sex, when they come, their heart gives out and they die. And that this is a congenital thing, and that so, like, she and her husband only had sex the once on the night they were married it was both of their first time and he died and that's how Bo was conceived
2: i love it too because Bo is like was it was it painful she's like yes, extremely. Excruciating, yes she excruciating yeah sure
0: excruciatingly <laughs> painful um
2: well and it's funny too because like when Bo is at the surgeon's house the surgeon is like hey well you know another thing we got to get checked out is your uh those testicles, testicles
0: are, like, extremely yeah, distended.
2: Yeah, that looks like epididymitis, my bud. Like, you need to, you need to look into that. And uh, uh, so, like, he's, he's reminding Bo, like, hey, there's something wrong with your balls,
0: man. And so through all this we're putting together that Bo is, like, the 55-year-old virgin and... He's probably never even come. No, he's never come in his entire life. So that's another aspect of his anxiety is that he's just got the most extreme blue ball to the point that his testicles are like grossly distended so he's been he's been waiting for like this one like his one true love like a girl that he met when he was like 11 you know and has just like never been with anybody out of fear that the first time he has sex his heart is gonna explode and he's gonna die so just like combine this with all of the mommy issues too and it's just like Bo is just like the most deeply deeply fucked up person in the entire world, but we, we should continue. Um,
2: Much like Bo is afraid, I'm sure we're running long.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> so the the suburban chapter of this film sort of culminates with the daughter has a meltdown and drinks a bunch of paint. Um, also tries to get Bo to drink it, but she drinks a bunch of paint and dies. Um,
1: I I love that sequence because it starts very, uh, uh, I think you should leave style absurdist comedy where she's like, you stole my family and you won't fucking get fucked up with me. (laughs) Yeah, you won't get fucked up with me. You won't drink paint with me. Yeah, and she's trying to bully him into drinking paint with her.
0: Like she bullied him into smoking that weird joint earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she dies from drinking the paint like you do.
1: Well, and that's the thing, because that sequence starts really funny, but the aftermath of her dying from drinking paint is horrifying. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah her yeah. eyes are like super bloodshot. Like it reminded me a lot of the the beginning death
0: of Midsummer, Midsummer of yeah. the the sister and the parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, Amy Ryan uh, blames Beau for the the death She's of covered in paint. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, because he's he's covered in paint. Uh, blames Bo for the death of the daughter, and so six uh, Jeeves, uh, who's the the <laughs> army guy. I love that he's they gave him a butler name. Uh, six Jeeves on him. Bo, they they put like an ankle monitor on Bo through all of this. The shot
2: of Jeeves like in like. The, the vet the Kevlar vest with like all the grenades and knives and things on it and he's got a cell phone that he's holding in front of him that just has Bo's location yeah. on it. And he's just running going like Bo <laughs> 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 He's just like just shouting like nonsense as he's running. It's yeah. So funny. Just like is this like this human attack
1: dog after him? Yeah. Um Oh it's fucking wild. Yeah. Well it, it's especially funny because like Bo Escapes into the woods and once again, like runs into a tree branch and, and gets knocks knocked himself out. out. And that's kind of the end of the episode. Into the next one, where it's kind of
0: yeah, it's his... very. It is he does section it off very nicely into episodes that are interspersed or that are that are punctuated by uh, moments of unconsciousness. <laughs> that's great, right. you know, and... <laughs> from head, from head trauma.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I love it too, and it is it is very uh, much like. You know, Ulysses going from island to island in the Odyssey, mm-hmm. or you know, the the fellowship. Odysseus, yeah, Odysseus. Yeah, yeah, right. Sorry. Um, I uh, mean,
0: Ulysses and Odysseus are both correct. Correct.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Um, but uh, going from island to island, or uh, you know, the fellowship. You know, going from you know the uh, one place to another, and it, it's really fun for that. You know, that's uh, they, he encounters the elves in the woods.
0: Yes, um, I I think we should try to be... This is sort of one of the more expressionistic parts of the movie. I think we should try to be relatively brief about this. He meets a theater troupe. Yes, he meets a a theater troupe out in the woods. And in watching their... uh, I I guess it is noteworthy that the first one he finds is a woman um, who is pregnant. And she sort of like very kindly like leads him in and feeds him. He's going from... He's looking for people to parent him. He's looking for mothers. He's going from one mother to the next. Um, Anyway, theater troupe, he sits down to watch their play. They dress him up because, you know, we like our audience to take part in the theater. Very cute. They dress him up, and so they start doing the play, and very quickly it becomes like it is telling his story. He's replaced with the guy on stage in his mind.
1: It's a self-insert fantasy of, you know, there's a lot of, Longing for finding the children you're missing. Yeah, he finds the, he the the finds community, community and, and family, again, and it plays into yeah. the idea of longing for something that you can't have. I, I
2: do, I do love it because like right before he transitions into the scene, an angel descends and starts narrating the story, and that's when he becomes the protagonist. So it's yeah. all narrated by this like sweet angelic voice and it's saying things like and you will search for days and you will wander through villages and you will find the village that is yours and you will meet a beautiful well, woman it's... and you will have sex with her yeah. and you will have three beautiful boys and the way that like, she puts emphasis on sex is like really funny it's very juvenile um, it's, and, uh... it's
0: it's his mother's voice right his mother is it, it is narrating all mm. of this and what this is also like a big stylistic shift for the movie too because a big portion of this like it starts out as like you know a static shot like of the play and they're doing it as a play but gradually it transitions into animation yeah and, um
2: uh he he loses his family and he has to find his three sons and he goes on this odyssey of like trying to find his three sons and when he finally does find them again after years and years and he's an old haggard weathered man how, do, how does that, that there's a really funny bit there about him having
0: sex um well he he expresses the fears that his mother instilled in him about never being able to have sex because he would die. And there says something like, that's why I've never been with anybody. And the three grown sons are like, but wait, if you've never been with anybody, then how did you have us? And he just has got like this look on his face. Like, wait a second. Oh, damn. Yeah. And that's when kind of the, it's just hilarious. The fantasy.
1: Of the whole situation evaporates. is
0: broken. Well, yeah. yeah, because Jeeves shows up uh, and starts like grenading, sh- <laughs> yeah, shooting people and throwing knives and mm. grenades and stuff like that.
1: Well, I, I found that whole you know fantasy play sequence really profound, and it it really you know kind of symbolizes kind of the the fear that causes inaction in mm. in Beau's life and the longing to take actions or even more so have these idyllic elements of his life these adventurous elements of his mm. life but being too afraid to take the actions necessary to get to that point and uh i think that is shown really well through this section um and the fact that it evaporates and well even more so uh we see Bo as an old man, mm-hmm. right? And in this in this fantasy. And uh even before that we see an old man in the tree, uh, who's quote unquote the founder of this troop. Yeah. And it's just
0: It's him. 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 Yeah.
1: But it, it really hits home with kind of the the point that it's trying to make that this is like what Bo really kind of wants and would imagine, like, his ideal self mm-hmm. to be. Um, and seeing that kind of evaporate um, is uh, is really illuminating for the rest of the movie. And evaporate it does. Uh, the, yes. The, the scene with Jeeves just <laughs> decimating
0: this troop is incredible. It's pretty funny. Um, well, in the interest of of uh keeping this moving bo eventually from here gets he finally gets home um he gets to his his hometown of Wasserton uh and his last name is Wasserman um we learn It's kind of hinted at throughout the movie, but especially once he gets back to the house, he's missed the funeral. They're playing a recording of it. And while that's sort of playing in the background, he's walking around and seeing, and we see, like, really how, like, his mother... Is was like a, a, a great entrepreneur who founded like this big multinational company. Almost we see, like
1: a Johnson and Johnson. We type see
0: of all company. of the things they do. Yeah, home security, <laughs> pharmaceutical <laughs> pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, uh, ADHD medication with Bo as the poster child for it. Well, in her Allard, the eulogy, they
2: describe it as a what is a super corporation?
0: Yeah, something? something like that. <laughs> it's it. And well, and and like even get into like real estate, and we see that great like picture of like oh the I forget what they call it, but like this the grand opening of this new building, and it's his apartment building. Yeah, opened it's by to his mom. Like a, an
1: addict recovery center, I think is what it's. Yeah,
0: and and it's owned. So he's living in the apartment owned by his owned and built by his mother's company. What I love like little details is that we see the company's logo. It's like a combined like MW, like little red yeah. oval. We see it multiple times throughout the film. It's everywhere. It's at the beginning of the film in amongst the uh, the producer slides, yeah. the production company slides, really oh, awesome I touch. That. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, um, and what we see when he's watching the news clips earlier. The the like the news network has the logo, and yeah, it's like amazing. it's like M W Video or something eats, like uh, that.
1: Like a frozen meal, which <laughs> I thought was really funny because it was uh, a a Hawaiian Irish fusion meal. <laughs> But it was the MW logo was yep. on it. As so well. it's like
0: we see that like his mother is literally controlling every single aspect of his life she has her her and her company have manufactured the entire world that he lives in both literally and metaphorically and emotionally yeah. um and we really see that like once he gets home um one of the things we haven't mentioned is like at the very beginning of the movie he buys her a gift it's a a little like, porcelain statue of, like, a woman holding a baby, because of course it is. Um, And then when he gets to the house, we see... A enormous statue looming over the house that just is the same thing
2: well and he writes that wonderful note on the bottom of this the the statue too where it's like you know, i'm sorry
0: it's like i'm sorry that dad died yeah. uh today or something like that it, the,
2: the journey is always framed around like he's going to his mother to uh because they always spend time together on his father's death's anniversary
0: and which his, is which is their wedding anniversary as well. And
2: also the day of his conception, right? Right. Which is great because that's why he's the birthday stab man. You know? It's all tied together. It's really fun. Oh, the like, birthday it's, boy stab man, like, it's, yeah. like, it's, not his, it's, it's not his birthday, but it's the date of his conception, right? It's yeah. like the, the date of his, like, creation. And so... Yeah, like, the li- like, literally his... the
0: moment, the day of, of that he was brought into existence, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And, and so, like, it's it's not technically his birthday, but, like, his life is still, like, constantly tethered to his father's death. Yeah. And, like, he's just not allowed to escape that. Like, there's no celebration of him, right? Like, it's all, like, he's forced to apologize, you know, about his life. Yeah. Uh, constantly. So he writes that little, like, I'm sorry note on the bottom of the statue that's really funny. Um, and, as you were.
0: Well, yeah. So, uh... Then, like, later on, somebody shows up late to the funeral. Oh, they thought it was 8 p.m. instead of 8 a.m. Oh, my God. It's Elaine. It's it's the, the woman he's been waiting his whole life for, played by Parker Posey. She's very good. And, you know, they, they sort of have a moment of reconnection. He's like, you know, I did wait for you. And she's she's drunk, she says so. She's been drinking wine all day. Um And... They uh they go upstairs and he finally loses his virginity in his in his mother's bed. Um That scene is so incredible. Uh
1: Parker Posey puts on Mariah Carey's You'll Always Be My Baby as the make love soundtrack She's just started
0: over at yeah, one point meanwhile really Bo to is
1: it. so horrified through this whole thing.
2: yeah cause he thinks he's gonna die he yeah. reinforced <laughs> throughout the film that his father died his grandfather died when they came you're gonna come and you're gonna die uh and they they reinforce that he's getting ready he's 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 almost there he ejaculates and She's like, "Wow, I really felt that, which is hilarious." Because like been, that like, was a so lot, yeah. Um, uh, like I think it broke through. It's the like condom. fifty,
0: like fifty years worth of cum. <laughs> yeah,
2: like, uh, like the yeah, He came sort of broke through the condom. Hilarious. And she's like, "Wait, but I need to finish." And so, the, she starts going and going again. And she comes, and he's like, "Man, that was so great. I can't believe he's I." like, done "He's like, before. I thought
0: I was going. I, I really thought I was going to die." And it's like. Throughout this, it's, like, sort of building to, like, this, like, he's finally, like, he's He's breaking, he's breaking free of his mother. We're gonna roll
2: the credits any moment. It's gonna be great. The
0: film's coming to a happy ending, right? It's coming to a happy (laughs) ending. And he's, you know, he has this moment, he's like, oh my god, I thought, you know, I really thought I was gonna die, but, uh... You know, you thank you, thank you so much. And he looks up at her, and she's just dead. <laughs> she's just like, as full like ring of mortis. yeah, full ring of mortis, saw like a statue. She died the moment that she came. Instead, a yeah, how, like
2: bloodshot, her eyes are once again. Blood yeah, her, like, and, bloodshot eye death, and yeah. And
0: you know, so he starts freaking out, and then gasp. Someone speaks from the shadows, and who's this? It says it's his mother. What? His his mother's still whole alive. Thing. She watched the whole thing. But not only that not only that, this whole thing was uh was an elaborately cruel prank essentially to try to teach him a lesson because you know he wouldn't just come visit he had to make up the excuse about losing the keys because he's a bad son and you don't want to come see your mother and all this and so i paid the 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 my maid from the last 37 years to to uh get her head crushed by a chandelier. <laughs> you know, all of her extended family are were able to quit their jobs on the same day. She was volunteering to do it, you know? Yeah. So, well it's
1: revealed that his therapist was on her payroll as well. Bro, the
0: reveal of that <laughs> is so fucking fun. Cause this is like towards the end of like a pretty already a pretty lengthy like argument and monologue where where she's like
2: yeah, monologuing about how I she she's responsible for it all.
0: Yeah, well, and also and like how bad of a son he is, and how he's mistreated her entire life. Just like really cruel and everything and then and... and she like starts playing like tapes of his therapy sessions and it's like and he's like what like how did you get this toilet, and the, toilet flush <laughs> and the therapist comes out of the bathroom and Smile he's just got like face. this big like evil smirk on his face <laughs> and just like the idea that through all of this he was just in the bathroom taking a shit it's so funny like the fact that he comes like we get the it's the, the toilet flush and then he comes out looking triumphant. It's just like <laughs> 'cause like
2: you already like like that actor I love him. so he looks like a big, like friendly teddy bear. Mm, yeah. So like it's like, oh the teddy bear's evil. Like and it's great. He's such he's so good. And yeah, like this this like kind, friendly, like the model therapist, you know? He's evil too. They're all out to
0: get Bo. Yeah, everybody's like, out to get him. Oh, it's so funny. But God, that is like that whole thing is just, like, so fucking cruel. It's It's like really
1: heavy. Like, it recontextualizes the rest of the movie in a way because it makes you really feel bad for Bo in a way you don't quite as much throughout the rest of the movie. Like, you certainly feel some sympathy for Bo. Right, but but you're also able to laugh. Yeah,
0: you're able to laugh at what's Um, happening to him because it's so funny, but it's like, this is just, like, very much not funny except for like there's a couple of funny beats like the, the portrait of her mother on the wall which is just like totally cartoonish yeah and the,
1: it, it felt like it was straight out of like a hammer horror movie
0: yeah like, and and the, the the therapist flushing the toilet and coming out like there's a couple of these comedic beats but it's it it is that that whole part is like so heavy and just like generally not funny at all um if my if i have one like minor complaint with this film is that i think though it handles all of these things very well individually i do think that it kind of struggles to juggle the tonal shifts in the third act especially like the comedy is funny, it's laugh out loud funny, and the like the dark heavy stuff is very effective. But I feel like it does a hard time of like balancing those two things simultaneously. Like at a certain point, I started to get kind of whiplash. Sure, yeah, I I I can
1: understand. I think it's that. I think it's
0: hard to juggle it. I don't know how you I, would do it better. I didn't but.
1: mind it, but I'm a sicko. Like I mean, it, I it reminded me of like stuff like uh Shivering Truth yeah. or like uh, Charlie Kaufman stuff. Like I'm thinking of ending things where it does get very, very bleak and depressing, but there is also still an undercurrent of comedy. Yeah. And it does go back and forth really much more quickly than the rest of the movie does it's it's
0: it's a little bit more jarring i like stuff like that too like i'm 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 not not a sicko uh, (laughs) in my preferences of this stuff i just think it's it's that the that shift at times in this movie in the third act are a little bit more jarring than uh than something like like a Todd Salons, for mm-hmm. instance, well, uh, it's not yes. the, the tone isn't quite as well balanced. It's still pretty good. Like this is a very very minor gripe.
2: What comes next, I think, is probably the biggest tonal part to me.
0: Oh yeah. yeah.
2: So like
0: he get um, like two minutes horror. of well, like an actual horror movie kind of.
2: Yeah, because like throughout the film, you know, like he's we get like snippets of this dream sequence, which in total is him sitting in the bathtub. Watching an alternate version of himself um, have an argument with his mom, where he insists on where his dad actually is. Yeah, his mother is like, uh, "Well, you know, if you're going to be bad, I'm going to put you in the attic." And you know, it's like she. So it's like some form of weird child abuse, and um, he always perceives it as the version of him that's brave enough to ask, but that doesn't actually exist. right. And that she, she reveals- is, and that
0: she's she's suppressed that in him. Yeah. Yeah. He he views it entirely psychologically. Mm-hmm. And then she's like... Which is cool, too,
2: because we see, like, that's why he likes taking the bath. You know, like, right. after everything that's terrible has happened at the beginning of the movie, he takes a bath, because, like, Bo in the bath is where Bo is safe. And, yeah. uh...
1: See, I, I I think that's kind of a motif as well. You know, the movie starts with him coming out of amniotic fluid, you know? It, yeah. It is very, like, motherly, warm. The womb yeah, is safe, yeah. the, the womb um, is safe, yeah, uh, exactly. And so...
2: During the, the Mother's Evil monologue, it's revealed that... Uh, She's
0: like, oh no, that wasn't a dream. That, that was a, That's a yeah. memory. It's a
2: suppressed memory.
0: That's a memory.
2: And she sends him up into the attic to see. And uh, he goes up there and he sees an another alternate version of himself starving.
0: I'm assuming twin brother?
2: Well, no. I think in the dream it's supposed to be that. I think he's just seeing himself up there. Well, no.
0: She, sa- she says that's not a dream. That was a memory. So she at- he actually saw... Her sending a child that looked just like him up up into the attic. So a brother, right? Yeah. If it's if it's a if it's a memory and not a dream, how would she have sent him up into the attic? For the
2: same reason that we see like the old guy in the troop is him. You know, it's it's like a weird. You know, like it's it's also real, right? Yeah. It could be a twin. It could just be like just him seeing a suppressed version of himself up there.
1: But then the I think it works as a misdirection because it's. At yes. first, his, yeah. That's what not seems even like reveal. his interpretation of his father, because, you know, uh, there's some implications that his father isn't actually dead, yeah. you know, and he was being cared for by people. Well, and there's also that, that
2: cyclical, like, Oedipal aspect of it, too, where it's like, you know, he has sex with a girl in his mother's bed. His father died by coming. He's about to die the same way. Right. Like, is he uh, inseminating himself? We don't really know. Like, is there, like, a weird back to the future thing happening? It might as well be at this point. Like, so, like, yeah, him being his father or whatever in the attic, sure. Like, it could be. It could mean any sort of thing. But then we see who the father really is. And the, the, the light is cast on something even worse in the shadow. And it's a giant phallic penis monster. I
0: redundant but yeah. still, <laughs> it's not even phallic, like it just is, is a a, it just penis. is a big cock and balls with an angry with face. a with an angry face and two like like Praying mantis esque, yeah, like, like, like blade the, arms.
2: Yeah, like the the bugs from uh, from
0: Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yeah. yeah,
2: and then we have this beautiful moment where uh, um, what's this? Uh, Jeeves comes in through the window, dives
0: in through the window. Well, it's great because he pulls a knife uh, and throws it at Bow, and we see it spin through the air, but the blunt end hits him in the head. It bounces. It bounces. So
2: funny. Head. And then like he he runs up and starts stabbing the. The, the cock monster. Um, but the cock monster, like, very Starship Troopers-esque, uh, aired in very just Starship Troopers manner, brings its imp- pincer arm yeah, blade thing, not pincer, but yeah, down. Uh, Impales him through the, the skull. Yeah, yeah, through the skull. It's a great kill. And uh, very confusing. What's going on? Why is he still here? Yeah. Um,
0: well, yeah, and then it's like Bo leaves that room and it's just like, oh, shit. What the fuck? And his mom's like, that's your father. father. And it's like, all right, <laughs> what do you? Cool. His dad's a big penis. His dad's it, a big cock monster. Yeah. It's like, what do you? What are you supposed thing. to he do? He says with something this?
2: like, "How?" And was like, "Well, it was very painful."
0: Well, no, she she says or like something. she says like you don't you don't understand what I had to go through <laughs> to have you or something like that. It's like,
2: what? What, what did she? That penis monster was like. It was like it was like twelve feet. It's tall. huge, yeah, yeah massive. Like it was massive. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, who knows? Uh, and you know, she keeps being abusive at Bo to the point where he like finally gives up and he puts his hands.
0: He's, around he's her yeah, there. he finally snaps and puts his hands around her throat. But of course, he's a coward. He stops partway through. He stops, yeah, but like she still. Like it's enough. Like she topples over, dead, falls into a um, glass cabinet.
1: She, uh, he gives her an inch to become a victim. Yeah, you know, and she takes that as far as she can go and literally dies. Yeah, yeah. And, and falls, falls, falls through, a collapse through like a glass thing, and yeah. dies. Yep. And
2: he's devastated, and he goes out to the water, gets on a boat. It drives out into the lake.
0: Yeah, and goes through a uh, a, a cave, a rocky, a, a tunnel, again, very much like a, a birth canal, and, you know, comes out the other side, and it's like, okay, I, again, we think that maybe the film might, have a positive ending you know he's like free. it's like we already had one fake out where he was like free from his mother and things might be okay and then some more horrible stuff happened but then he 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 took her life you know he he finally took some agency and freed himself and i was driving the boat out to a lake but no gasp the lights come on <laughs> And he's somehow in like, a
2: mega auditorium. In, in
0: like a yeah in like a gladiatorial arena, kind of just a huge uh, uh, on his little his little little John boat with like the little outboard motor, it's just like in this huge arena, these concrete stadium with filled with people, and they bring down a big jumbotron <laughs> above, and uh, they're basically uh, it's a I, hearing yeah his his soul is being weighed essentially yeah you know i think there's
1: judged for he's yeah
0: action. he's he's i think there's a lot of like sort of old uh like old world mythology kind of stuff tied up in this like going out onto the water in the boat like mm-hmm. the river sticks and then like Having your soul judged, you know, by like the gods of the dead and everything. But and there's
2: someone at the far end too, who's like championing
0: him. We well, can't yeah, really he's see who it is. So he's, you know, his his mother and her lawyer are like the prosecutors. His her lawyer is uh, another great character actor, Richard Kind, um, yeah. who's really excellent, and you know is like showing all of this video footage of like all of the horrible things Bo has done, and then None of it's which like really
2: responsible for.
0: No, yeah, it's all it's all. Just just like guilt trippy stuff yeah mm-hmm.
1: You and know, on the other
0: side. Way yes. on the other side, his defense attorney, standing under a big neon sign that says, like, 1 800 defense or something like that, <laughs> is, but he, who does not have a microphone. So he's just, like, sort of faintly shouting his defense from across, like, a great distance. You can't really hear it. until he's in, I don't know who that was.
2: Is it him? Is it, like, someone else? I, I don't know. Out. You never,
0: you never really see it. But eventually, someone comes out behind him and picks him up and throws him off. Off, yeah. and he like smashes on the rocks below Along the elderly
2: couple in midsummer yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very
0: very midsummer He's age. dashed on the rocks um yeah and so basically you know he he has no one to defend him he cannot defend himself well, like, um his, his he stands up and his foot gets stuck in the boat and like sort of as the sentence is pronounced that he's a bad son um the boat, his boat is like flipped upside down and because his foot is stuck, you know, we see the boat sort of thrashing for a couple of minutes and then finally it goes still as the credits roll. I love how just like the whole credits is just silence as just, like, sitting on this shot of, like, the boat overturned and just, like, all of the people in the arena, like, gradually getting up and leaving. Kind of like how the people in the movie theater getting up and leaving, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) from their stadium seats. uh, You know what it
2: really reminded me of, that final sequence? Mm. The trial at the end of The Wall. You remember the big butt judge? You guys ever seen The Wall? Uh, no. The movie culminates with a trial of his life. Um, and, uh, like, his mother is brought into question and everything, and the trial is being held by a, it's, it's sort of like two butt cheeks wearing a judge's wig.
0: Oh, classic. And,
2: and like, (laughs) very similar. Like, I just, you know, I thought that was kind of a neat comparison.
1: How did y'all feel about that last scene as an ending for the film?
2: I feel like the four-hour cut
1: will give it more weight. See, I, I think we've started to see a trend in the final sequences of Ari Aster films, where like the final sequence kind of retells the thesis statement of the movie as a whole. Sure. You know the the Paymon sequence in mm-hmm. Hereditary, the burning, the culmination flower of Midsummer, mm-hmm. the, the, the flower costume queen. in Midsummer, and now the scene where I almost feel like it wraps things up. A little too concisely but i think it still works mm-hmm. i think it still works and i will say like i thought thought that last scene uh was very evocative of nightmares i've had before where sure you know giant scope of people judging you or like a jumbotron where people are talking about you like that's yeah that's like a nightmare, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is, it's is—it's a cruel ending for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's its kind of uh, moot to try to argue whether it's, like, r- real or sure. in his head or whatever.
1: Does it, does it feel but, too didactic, though? Does it feel like it's too on the nose of what well, they're going for uh, as a whole? With the
2: movie? I... It's it's by that point we've already gotten his father being a giant penis in the attic. <laughs> At this point, like we've almost gone beyond unreliable narrator to yeah. the point where like he's just living in a surrealistic world. You know, like like
0: where that's been the case from the beginning. Right. Exactly. Yeah, be- yeah, like, yeah, when his, yeah, his mother so, literally yeah. owns a
2: mega corporation that controls everything. Everything. Like, that's all just part like, of it.
0: yeah. We, where he lives, what he eats. Yeah, it,
2: it, it, it almost stops being an unreliable narrator, and it's just an unreliable world. Right, like the the whole events that have
0: taken place, like like it really, is like nothing. I mean, is it's done... it's his. It is like the theater of his mind. Yeah, nothing yeah, is it, like... nothing. Nothing is real. Nothing is literal in this movie. So I think mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of like after having sat on it for like a day, I I think the the last scene is really good. I feel like it sort of wraps everything up and like does like bring the story to a definitive conclusion it feels like the natural end point when i was watching it i was kind of like really we're still going you know (laughs) because at this point there had been like two moments where i thought surely like credits were about to roll like any second. And then there's like thirty more minutes after that, you, you know, like the Lord See, of the so, Rings. Yeah, so it, yeah, kinda. <laughs> so it's, it is it is like there's there's like so many points where it's like, okay, the happy ending could happen right now. Oh nope. Okay, a slightly less happy but still like overall positive ending could happen right now. Oh no. Oh oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> so it's like I I. I think it's I think it's good in in the moment it's like man I'm this is this is really fucking long like what are we still sure, doing sure. It, it it definitely gave me a moment of like what are we still doing here by the time it ended I was like okay thank you I see what we're still doing here but at the time I'm like is this necessary his life is sure. I, I think that's the
1: biggest question I had coming out of the movie and I I've warmed up to it as mm-hmm. we go along, but you know the the whole movie is implicitly about him living under his mother's judgment. So to get a literal scene of yeah. him being in a judgment trial under his mother feels so direct that it's almost on it. It is on the nose, yeah. You know quite literally, um, but I th- I think it saves itself with how good the performance. Yeah, are. well and the I mean I think life. it I think
0: it also feels like it the th- so much of the movie is him and his feelings of guilt because of like how his mother has treated him and how he feels at fault for that and guilt that he can't get back in time for the funeral fast enough and guilt at all of this. So it does make sense that he would feel the ultimate the ultimate sense of guilt after he has killed his mother, to then feel judged by her and the entirety of the world—you know, all of these people—the final judgment, and being found guilty for for his largely imagined crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I think I think it's an ending that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think ultimately, yeah.
0: I think that I think that like a a really a really brutal editor could end this film at a couple of points prior to this and it would still be a a great film. I think But
2: yeah, I, I think the the thing that was sort of surprising Ari, to me.
0: It's it's an it's an no thing. Ari had his vision, yeah. and I, I appreciate I'm a it. Give me the four hour cut. Honestly. I would love if they really if they. I would love to see it. I I loved going to see the 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 director's cut of Midsummer <laughs> when that came out. Really good Ultimately, I think I, the theatrical cut yeah. is probably still better. Yeah, but I I enjoyed the additional context of the added scenes. So
2: with yeah, I think with that final scene. Um, what I felt was kind of strange is that we did get several memories there that weren't really, unless I missed a tiny detail in the background, which is very likely because it's such a rich Well, movie. stuff
0: that we never saw. saw.
2: Or was, like, really alluded to. Like, like the bit where he's lost, he, he gets lost in the mall or whatever, like, that is sort of alluded to at the very beginning of the film with that other boy who's playing with a remote boat. With it, there's, a, there's a a emotion yeah. there. But with, like, him bringing over the other boys and then pressuring him to, like, you know let them go through his mother's like undergarments and stuff like that and that sequence there's a few there's another memory there too i forget but that weren't really alluded to in the film at all and and didn't like have any bearing weight
0: i mean i don't think they're necessary he's being like it's stuff that you that any normal person would forgive a child for yes. that he's not even thinking about that here at the very end are being given this like cataclysmic weight i think that it's better that we don't see, we haven't seen these things beforehand, because they're ultimately trivial, but they carry so much weight for him here at the end, you know, there are things that are innocent, you know, him getting lost in the mall and then being afraid to come back because he thinks he's going to get in trouble, that's innocent you know
2: the boys like, were bullying him
0: yeah the boys were bullying him and st- they were children okay they went through his his mom's dirty clothes and like sniffed her panties like yeah, it's weird and gross but they're like 10 you know like it's <laughs> it's a kid thing it's like these are unimportant things that are be- being given so much more weight when they shouldn't be so i think it's fine that we don't see them now is that stuff that is shown in the 4 hour cut of this film what is that extra hour that we're missing i can only imagine this movie is so fucking dense there's so much going on four hours of this would probably be overwhelming even for me but i want to know uh i would if if we get it if we get that director's cut best fucking believe i'm gonna watch it yeah dude. Yeah, best you'd... fucking believe most definitely I I already like I would I need to I feel like I need to see this film again because I there's just like so much in there um but we've gone very long and we still have a few things on the list that we need to do before we can end this episode Housekeeping. should we start by rating Bo is afraid though
1: yes uh, I guess I'll start. yeah start uh like I said before. It's a rare treat to get a blank check movie, um, and I always appreciate them. And honestly, this might be my favorite Ari Aster movie. Mm. I find it incredibly bold and incredibly dense and interesting, and it leaves me with a lot to think about. But not only that, it's fucking hilarious. It's so So funny. funny. It's probably my favorite I've seen this year. Um, I am excited to see whatever Ari Aster does next, yet again. Um, he can't keep getting away with it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. this is an easy five out of five for me. This is a great date night movie. <laughs> no. Go, go oh, make no. your, make your no. girlfriend's question why you brought them to the first date. Do, do it. <laughs> um,
2: uh, I, uh, I think, I think you, will, you will figure things out really fast if it's a good idea if you do take someone on for the stage, Steve, I was afraid. Um, uh, yeah, just jump right into the deep end. Go for it. Uh, yeah, no, um, easy agree. Big five out of five. I had a wonderful time watching it with both of you boys in the Aww. theater. Just big belly laughs, us giggling at each other. And uh, uh, just, it was a real joy. And um, I completely understand why people don't like this movie on really any level. Like, uh, I, I, I totally get it. If you don't like this on an like, intellectual level and, like, the things didn't really grasp for you and you don't really see the purpose of things, I get it. And on a basic level, too, if it just made you too anxious and you didn't have a funny time with it, I understand. But for me, five out of five, hilarious. Really funny.
0: Real sicko hours. Yeah. Fucking great. So, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? I'm not going to give this a five out of five. That's okay. It, not, not yet. I think it could be on repeat viewing. I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I don't think that it's Ari Aster's tightest film, um, but he sure does take a big swing, and I think ultimately does knock it out of the park. I think that he does struggle a little bit to juggle the tone in the third act. And honestly, I feel like I just need to see it again and unpack it more before I'd feel comfortable giving it a 5 out of 5, but still an extremely strong 4.5 out of 5, and easily one of the best movies I've seen this year so far. Not my favorite, but man, it's a banger, and so average of 4.8 out of 5 for "Bo is afraid can't say i'd necessarily recommend this movie to everybody it does seem to be divisive but if you're a I sicko sh- like a- i sure had <laughs> i sure had a great time with honestly,
1: it. honestly i want to see more directors swing for the fences yeah like i think you put it great when you said that because this is a total swing for the fence and
0: i i love, know, love or it i gotta-
1: hate it you gotta respect it Yes. That, I know, love that happens absolutely I
0: love that Ari Aster got a chance to make a massive sprawling f- extremely fucking indulgent blank check movie um Saw a lot of people saying that this should be a career ender for him and that A24 should drop him and that they should never have let him get away with making this in the first place. And uh, I I love that people had such a viscerally awful reaction to it. I'm so happy this got made. All it really has me wondering is what the fuck is Ari Aster's relationship with his mother like? (laughs) Because... God damn it! Bo is afraid. Is mommy issues the movie? Anyway, some housekeeping stuff. We've got a couple of different movies that we have prediction results yes. for. What do you want to? What are you starting
1: with? Uh, we'll start with Renfield. Okay, so for Rotten Tomatoes, let's see. I predicted sixty-five. Cleve, you predicted eighty-one, and Tease, you predicted eighty-three. For Renfield? Yep. I'm it's grimacing. Sitting at a fifty-eight. Yeah, Ooh, apparently. I honestly so, good. Yeah, Pe- I got, people agreed. I got C- that one.
2: I was a little concerned coming out of like Renfield. I not felt gaslit it. coming felt, out of that. I felt gaslit too, and um, I don't, I don't like necessarily always being so in line with the critic versus the populist, you know, opinion. I like to sit somewhere more in between the two. I'm glad, I'm glad that like people aren't resonating. with Well, that movie. we
0: are. We do base it off the critic score. The, the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do we? Do you have the audience?
1: Uh, it was higher. Uh, seventy-eight. Still or, though. Still or, though, for audience, that's you know good. Good. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, for box office. Um, before I say this, I want to mention the budget for this movie it was sixty-five million dollars. <laughs> uh, I predicted twenty-three million. Cleve, you predicted eight million. TC predicted 28 million. Jesus Christ. It had an opening weekend of 8 million.
0: Whoa! Right on the Dude, fucking been, money, homie. I've been killing it this yeah.
2: year on, the, on the, the, the box offices. Awesome.
1: Hell yeah.
0: Better than last year. Well, I mean, anything's
1: better than last year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, right? like, Hold on. I can't believe long. I predicted 28 million for that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you
1: remember what the collective rating was?
0: Oh, God. It was sub three, right? It was definitely sub
1: three. Okay. That makes it easy. Uh, Cleve, you predicted four. I predicted three. TC predicted 3.8. Oh,
0: so man, again. Hi. I get it Why again just that?
1: by lowballing. Yeah, oof. Okay. Uh, should be called Nick Cage's Dracula. Cleve just said balls deep. What did I mean by that? I don't know. <laughs> Great question.
2: <laughs> what did you mean by that? I feel like maybe I did that for the wrong movie.
1: Um, this will probably end up being a mostly lame comedy with horror elements in the background. That's what I said, which pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cage does a weird Nick Cage look thing into a mirror, but there's no reflection. Missed, Missed opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. yeah wow. Uh, Cleve said that. So, that was me? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, damn.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um and now yeah, we have, yes, we do have we, results we do for Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid, which I believe when we were filling this out was still called uh, Disappointment Disappointment Boulevard, Boulevard. which is a great name for this movie.
0: Apparently, apparently that was always a a misdirection. I was reading about that today from Ari Aster. He didn't want to reveal that the title was Bo is Afraid because then he knew people would know that it was an adaptation of his short film or a, f- a feature-length adaptation of his short film. So he used the, mis- uh, the Disappointment Boulevard title um, to direct people away from that. Interesting. I mean, it still works in a way. I mean, oh, I I mean, if anything... I personally think Disappointment Boulevard is a better title, but yeah,
2: but the Boulevard isn't really that important. (laughs) Okay, so that's where
0: he lives. It's Disappointment Boulevard because he's a fucking disappointment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It reminds me of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score: I predicted eighty-one. TC predicted eighty-eight. Clefue predicted eighty-five. It's currently sitting at a seventy
0: damn well yeah i guess i'm not a bunch of people have hated this one so i'm I'm surprised surprised
1: it's so high honestly i'm pleasantly surprised but
0: so you so you got that one
1: Mm -hmm. for low ball in and then uh okay so opening weekend i predicted 40 mil tc predicted 32 mil cleave you predicted 20 mil according to imdb I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> okay, it says three hundred twenty thousand. What? Yeah. So it must have gotten like a limited release or something. That is
0: insane.
1: Because no. because it has gotta be wrong. That's crazy low. Ari Aster alone is gonna. Be you low would low think mil. so. The gross it's right now is four point three mil.
0: And it's been out for, like, two weeks. Yeah. That's crazy. That must be wrong. But anyway, obviously lower than anticipated. I think Cleve still would. Yes. By, yeah, even if that's not yeah. wrong, Just I still think, yeah, by low yeah. Cleve I mean... still wins that one. So I'm, I'm happy to give that up. Um, um.
1: And then in terms of collective rating, I predicted 4. Tease you predicted 4.7. And Cleve, you predicted 4.5.
0: Yes, I was so, point one off. It was is that why you lowered
2: your score, TC?
0: No, I'd forgotten what I predicted no, on I that one, actually. Um, Taglines.
1: Um, I said, give me the four-hour cut, cowards. Yes. That stands. stands. Yeah. Uh, TC said it, Ari Aster is Citizen Kane. Uh, I
0: stand by that, too. yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, Cleve, you said Joaquin Penis.
0: Yo, <laughs> nailed it. Honestly, Cleveland nailed that the most out of all of those. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Joaquin no Penis. No <laughs> Pure Providence. Incredible. All Whoa. right. Uh, well, real quick, let's do... Uh, oh, next week, Evil Dead Rise. Where yes. New movies, yeah. Evil Dead it's it's happening i'm excited mm-hmm. sponsor and then we'll wrap this up hopefully evil
2: dead thighs okay. okay there's gonna be some thighs in it i'm just i don't know i'm a thigh guy all right anyway <laughs> <laughs> might sound pretty fly for a thigh guy anyway all right yeah uh what does this mean um this uh this uh the sponsor uh, given to us off the mysterious shelf Um uh doesn't make any sense to me, but maybe one of you guys can help translate the weird uh Lovecraftian text uh better than I can. Uh I'm reading this as uh this this week's sponsor was brought to you by a Frankenstein that's DTF. Oh, that means down to fuck.
0: Down to Frankenstein. Hey, you down to
2: Frankenstein. Um which is pretty cool considering that uh you know, a Frankenstein that's down to fuck would be uh the not not the monster but the scientist but if you think about it the scientist is the oh, monster oh fuck off anyway so really he is the monster cuz he's bad and he was experimenting with corpses and the monster was kind of
1: in a see a frankenstein that's down to frankenstein's fuck frankenstein's monster Whoa, pretty cool dtf fm
0: down the to the best f- hits
1: of the 80s and <laughs> 90s. <laughs> and
0: down down to frankenfuck
2: <laughs> frankenfuck it's
0: All right, well, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to the honoraries, the pod boys. Uh, Sam, Zach, and Micah, thank you for your support. You you can uh, can still follow us on Twitter. still there for now uh at pod people pod we were not on blue sky yet <laughs> uh and at letterbox.com slash pod people pod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews i'm still on twitter at some spooky snake and streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash some spooky snake uh i'm on twitter at mr sheets
2: Yo, uh, go uh fuck fuck my handles. Go check out Amanda the Adventurer, um, a- aka it's like Horror Dora the Explorer. Um, uh, it's out now. It's fun. It's rad. And uh, for horror movie fans out there, the analog tapes that you can find in the game were shot by the folks who made WNUF, and it fucking rules. It's really good. Um, nice quick play. It's like eight bucks. Um, uh, I did the key art for it, so it's kind of fun. Um and uh, some promotional art and other things. So, go go check out that game. It, it rules. It's I think one of our. Uh, it's it's a really solid title that we've put out. I'm really I'm really proud of, proud of the whole team's work on it. So, Amanda the Adventurer. That's
0: that's my shout out. All right. Thanks for listening. Go call your mother. Why don't oh, you?